Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 291 of Linux in the Ham Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. Not scientifically proven. Uh, so anyway, this is our weekender edition, which means we talk about upcoming special events, Linux conferences, and all the things that we like to talk about. Like stuff. Beer and whiskey and food. And fun things to do, Linux distributions to try, and, I don't know, just kind of a mishmash of fun stuff. And it will be a really good episode. I I can feel it in my bones. It will be good. Because Bill is here with us, and he's out in the wilds of some goofy lake in Montana, and we're here just having a good old time. But anyway, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. In some goofy lake in Montana. In some anyway. goofy, yeah. Hey, we've got <laughs> lots of rain. <laughs> yeah. We've got lots of rain. We have our own now lake just down the road from us. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, I'll take a brief minute to sort of divert here for a second because we, we've had so much rain that we actually have a lot of flooding around here to the point where most of the roads that come into where we live are flooded and they're impassable at this time, which was okay because the, Until 6 the main road this morning, yeah. right the main road <laughs> off the interstate was still open but they decided to do construction this week so they closed that <laughs> so brilliant <laughs> oh yeah so at like eight o'clock last night we were trying to find access to the house without having to drive 15-ish miles out of the way um so i said you know our only option is this one road and I said, you know, I'm I'm afraid it's flooded. So about uh, a fourth of the way through the water, it was up to the running boards on my SUV. And Russ was screaming, stop, stop, that's far enough, back it up. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it looks really deep right ahead. And he's like, yeah, and we're like a fourth of the way through the water. <laughs> he's like, please back up. So I had to back up about a uh, fourth of a mile or so. <laughs> It's just like, all right. So, yeah, now we have to drive 15-ish miles out of the way to get home. So, yeah, we're not terribly impressed with that right now. Yep. And while the water was probably receding today because the rain has kind of stopped and it was actually rather a nice day today, but we're told that it's going to start up again tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, um, yeah, we we may have to go the long way home for for quite a while yet. Or build an ark or or something. Yeah. Right. Yep. We're just going to, I guess we're going to open a marina down the street here. And... <laughs> yeah, you might I, have I was, something there. I was actually, actually, I think it was in 1993 when flooding was super bad 
um, and the Mississippi had was like flooding downtown St. Louis. The rain here was also extremely bad. <clears throat> there was a guy that lived down the road from us that had a vehicle parked on both sides of the water and actually had a boat because he didn't want to have to drive like the 15 miles around to get to his house. So he he used his boat to get from vehicle to vehicle and then drove to his house. But you know we we try we have tried all all routes because we are surrounded by rivers and creeks and there is there is no way for us to get anywhere without having to drive through water that the water last night at the deepest part was probably waist deep. So I uh, yeah, because I I was like, no, this road still goes down. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and it was, and the thing of it is, it was um, a field like a cornfield on both sides of the road, and yet it was it wasn't still water. It was it was, was running water. water. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I told Russ. I was like, I'm not so so comfortable driving through this water because it looks like it's running pretty fast. He's like. No, you'll be okay. You're heavy enough. And then, you know, when I got to the running boards, he's like, all right, that's far enough. Let's back up now. <laughs> well, I mean, I was watching it really close. They say they say on the news all the time that six inches is where it starts. Becoming if, an if you're issue. in running water it's deeper than six inches, that's when it can actually sweep a vehicle off the road. So, I, you know, I was trying to be make sure that if we got to anywhere near six inches, we decided to back up. So. Yeah. <laughs> so the door's like open on the car and he's like leaning out the door and I'm like, great. So he's going to fall out and I'm going to run over him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was our fun experience for last night. So uh, be that as may, um, we, we still can get home. We just have to kind of go around the horn to get here. Uh, but let's go ahead and stop talking about rain and we'll talk about some, Amateur radio contests that are coming up over the next week or two. And Cheryl's alarm just went off, so. Okay. <laughs> He's in trouble now. Oh, no. yeah. All right. So, uh, Bill, tell us about some contests coming up. Sure. This week we got the RSGB 80 meter club championship. It's uh, June 27th from 1900 Zulu to June 27th, 2030 Zulu. Uh, it's on 80 meters. It's single sideband. And this is a series of short evening contests on 80 meters promoting competition between affiliated societies. Uh, individual scores in every event count towards the society's overall score. So if you're interested in chasing some, uh, some DX on 80 meters, uh, this might be your, uh, your quick little, uh, try here. This looks like the uh, third one for the year that's going on. So if you haven't been participating, obviously you have no points. <laughs> <laughs> I have no points. You got no points. I got so, no points. And I don't I pretty sure I'm not gonna hear England on eighty meters with my current arrangement. So Yeah, yeah, probably not. So uh anyway, so if you can hear them, this is your opportunity. Otherwise, ignore that we just talked about that. Uh anyway, we have the Battle of Carabobo International Contest, and this runs uh June twenty eighth, uh zero Zulu all the way to June twenty ninth, twenty four hundred Zulu. And this is on forty through ten, uh no work, of course, uh single sideband. And this is the Radio Club of Valencia AC invites all amateur radio worlds to take part in the Battle of Carabobo International Contest. And I had absolutely no idea what it was, so I Wikipedia that. 
And the Battle of Carabobo was on uh, June 24th, 1821. It was fought between independence fighters led by Venezuelan General Simon Bolivar and the royalist forces led by the Spanish Field Marshal Miguel de la Torre. Um, Bolivar's decisive victory at Carabobo led to the independence of Venezuela. We see how that worked out. And establishment of the Republican of Gran Colombia. I was wondering so, if you were going to mention the fact that uh, <laughs> Venezuela is no longer independent country, <laughs> no longer yeah. democratically ruled or anything like that. So, Yeah, it worked out really well for them. <laughs> well, that was back in 1821. They've had a 100 and some odd years to screw it up. Or, yes, yeah. <laughs> and still doing it every day. <laughs> so, do we know if Bolivar is named after Bolivar, or if it's Bolivar, Missouri? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure how it got its name either. But... Yeah, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can find a wiki. Anyway, so if you want, uh, presumably, some sort of uh, well, it's a contest. So, but there's no information about the contest. So, there's, I guess, there's like points and stuff. Yeah, it's points, and I think there are certificates. Uh, it's kind of just dissecting it. They had a mixture of uh, of uh, Portuguese and English in their website, so or whatever Spanish in their website. Right. Oh well, um, I actually have pretty good propagation from my house into South America, so I could probably work this contest. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I've worked Venezuela multiple times, so it's not too hard to work. Yep, Venezuela, and Colombia, and Chile. I, I actually have really good propagation too for some reason my my antenna just works that way i guess i don't know uh so anyway uh for next weekend we have some more contests we have the dldx ready contest this is from july 6 1100 zulu to july 7 10 59 zulu uh on 80 through 10 meters no work bands and of course it's a ready contest which means you should be operating ready and you put in here notes warble warble dx <laughs> so apparently there's <laughs> there's not a lot to this contest except that you try and work a bunch of dx stations on ready so there absolutely you go. And warbles. Uh, yeah warbles. <laughs> a link of course to additional information will be in the show notes we also have the marconi memorial hf contest from july 6 1400 zulu to july 7 1400 zulu 160 through 10 meters, no work bands. This is Marconi contest. Therefore, the mode of choice or the only mode allowed is CW. The Marconi Memorial Contest uh, commemorates the, it says the two centuries. Is it supposed to be the second century? The II century? The 11th century? The Maybe if you cut and paste this stuff, you should actually proof it. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh oh, century of radio why, why start now <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> just make something up man it's not okay that bad. fine the second century of radio our radio's been around for a while second century, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's father guglielmo i think i think it's like the second century of radio i said the second century of radio I know, but it's like the emphasis sounds a little better. It just sounds like you said second century radio. <laughs> so like, yeah, the, it's either the second century or the second century of radio. Right. Which is all one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's father, Guglielmo Marconi. It's a worldwide competition. Everybody can work everybody, but only on CW. Yeah. So there yes. you go. <laughs> it did. <laughs> all right. So we have we have this long one here. Shirley, you want to read the long one? Hang on, I'm I'm looking. I'm, uh, did I distract you by mentioning Bolivar? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'm. I think there was some uh, <clears throat> issues here. 
I'm looking at the Marconi. It says um, 33rd edition. So did the two X's and one I get left off of that or what? No, I don't think so. I think that just means it's been running for 33 years. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to find the century. Where did the century comment come in? Because I don't even see that on the page. Now, now I'm now I'm like trying to find this. So, I I think we're moving on. Oh no, 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 no! It, it's this. Uh, I guess double I century radio and its father. So uh, we're, yeah, we're going to call it the second century radio. <laughs> sure. Okay. Whatever. So right. so tell us about this other one. Okay. So the next one is the Spirit of seventy six QSO party. It runs from July first at zero 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 one Zulu. To July 7th, 2400 Zulu. Uh, frequencies, and there's a list of them. Do you want me to go ahead and read all these off? Uh, no, it's, it's a seven day contest over six modes, and those modes are sideband, CW, PSK31, RIDI, FM, and AM. This is a 1010 international contest, by the way, so all the frequencies are 10 meters. Uh, additional info on like what frequencies and all that BS can be found on the website in the show notes. But Cheryl will tell you a little bit more about the contest. Alrighty then. It's, yeah, it says um, the event will run for seven days uh, and be around July 4th of each year. Make as many contacts as you can during the week using six modes. Scoring will be as normal for QSO parties. Two points for members, one point for non-members. Dupes will be allowed once for each mode. It will be possible to work the same call six times in each of the various modes for a maximum total of 12 points per call. All other normal rules apply. This will also allow members to work on their Lucky 13 award at the same time we're creating activity over the entire 10-meter spectrum. If band conditions are poor and we all concentrate on the same frequencies, we'll have a much better chance of making contacts. The various chapter nets will have the opportunity after their nets to schedule some contacts for the various modes. During the daily nets, we could schedule some activity where they are finished. Win 1010 has been modified to score this event. Another program, um, 10 QSO logger will also work for the event. The QSO party log form and QSO party cover sheet from the key forms page of this website may be used. Electronic logs shall be forwarded to the QSO party manager, and there's a 1010 contest at 1010.org. Yep, so it's a 1010 international sponsored contest. Everything is done on 10 meters. Uh, like I said, the um, like standard calling frequencies and modes will be listed in the show notes. And if you want to work a 10-meter contest, there you go, July 1st through July 7th. And uh, Bill has gone away, I think. I'm oh, back. You're back. Okay. So Bill's back. Excellent. I did go away, but now I can't get to the stupid ether bed. <laughs> well, we can do a couple of these here until ah, you, there it oh, goes. you got the ether pad. I'm getting back in there right now. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It works. Oh, okay, fantastic. Good. All right. Well, I'll do this first one because there's um, not a lot of information about it. And I'm going to report it the way I remember it. So if I'm wrong, uh, too bad. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on to some special event stations instead of contests. And the first one is a 13 Colonies commemoration special event station. And it's actually multiple special event stations, one uh, operating in with different call signs in each of the original 13 Colonies. This runs from July 1st, 1300 Zulu through July 8th, 0400 Zulu. 
Uh, the bands are all bands in all modes, basically, except for 60 meters. This is 160 through two um, on all modes. There will be 13 special event stations from Kilo to Alpha through Kilo to Mike for each of the original 13 colonies. There's a bonus special event station, Kilo to Zulu. There's also William Mike 3 Papa Echo November for William Penn. And then there's also uh, Golf Bravo 13 Charlie Oscar Lima. So these are all special event stations associated with this. And there's a certificate that lists all the different special events. And you can, uh, I think you have to pay like five bucks to get the QSL card. You don't have to get all of the special event stations to get the QSL card. Uh, and there's a lot more information at the website that mentions the 13 colonies commemoration special event. So check that out if you want to. And this all has to do with the uh, 4th of July, of course. So, and then let's see, we'll uh, Bill do the next one. Sure. Why not? Sure. Why not? <laughs> the America Mensa annual gathering. Somehow this sounds smart. <laughs> <clears throat> so this is from July 3rd, zero Zulu, all the way to July 7th, 1800 Zulu. And the frequencies look like it's on 20 meters, 14,300. Sure, not on 300. Isn't it the maritime mobile net there or something? Um, and 14,074. It's on CW and single sideband. The call sign will be K7 Mike, Kilo 7 Mike. And we'll be operating portable field day style from the American Mensa annual gathering being held at the Sheridan Grand Phoenix Hotel. Our purpose will be to demonstrate the capabilities of amateur radio for more than more than 2,000 attendees. Since they're so social, they'll probably notice everything right away. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? And I couldn't actually <laughs> yeah. find a source of any information. This was listed as one of the upcoming special event stations on the AWRL's website, but there was no additional information anywhere that I could find. I don't know if it's uh, listed on the Mensa website or anything like that. I, I assume it's probably not. Um, but whatever. So there's going to be Kilo 7 Mike out there. For a few days so if you contact them great maybe you can show all those smart people how ham radio works i don't know oh and they're probably using the seven call signs i see that's up there in new york <laughs> they're using the seven call sign probably because all the twos were taken <laughs> <laughs> who knows did want to did want to confuse people with the uh 13 colonies going on at the same time yeah because kilo to mike is actually assigned to one of those i don't remember which one but which one which yeah. one was the thirteenth colony? Um Virginia no, it wasn't Virginia. I don't remember. I don't remember the order that they were uh you know, founded. But uh anyway, uh we also have another special event station going on, and this one is the Man on the Moon First Communication with Earth, fiftieth anniversary special event station. This is operating from July twentieth to thirteen hundred Zulu through july twenty first, seventeen hundred Zulu. Uh, they have several frequencies here listed. They will be operating on CW and SSB. The call sign for this special event is Kilo 9 Mike Oscar Tango. And the notes on this are it's to commemorate Motorola's contribution to the Apollo program and lunar communication, which is why it's K9MOT. Uh, more information, of course, will be linked in the show notes. So check that one out if you want to work K9MOT. So let's see. Moving on from special events and contesting i mean and this is only a small subset of special events and contests that are going on over the next two or three weeks because there's always stuff going on 
but I put in here an announcement. We did mention a couple of episodes back that we were looking for folks to help out with doing show notes and possibly uh, website redesign. So if anybody who's listening to this is really good with the web and has some spare time or just has some spare time to publish show notes, it's really not that difficult. We'll just give you the Etherpad information. And you have to format it accordingly. Um, it will just take some you know, time away from the things that I have to do, and I'd be very happy about that, and we'll probably find some way to uh, compensate said folks if they're willing to do some, you know, uh, volunteer work for Linux in the Ham Shack. We'd love to hear from you, uh, and if not, then we'll just do things the way they are. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's all we can do. Uh, so I'm putting that out there. And then for the Linux in the Ham Shack Ham Radio Challenge, based on uh, all of the things we heard at Ham mentioned and the fact that Field Day was last weekend, um, I will just say that if you can write a decent N1MM clone that's Linux native and let everyone know about it, you'll be rich and famous. <laughs> or at least quasi-famous. So so that's your challenge. Write an N1, a native on Linux it. N1MM logger. <laughs> so. All right, so moving on, we've got this weekend in open source. We're going to get away from amateur radio topics for a little bit, and we're going to talk about a distribution that Bill mentioned in the last episode and is going to mention again. That's right. It's uh, Enso OS, because we need another boutique Ubuntu distribution. Uh, this is built on the latest LTS release of Ubuntu, version 18.04, and so includes all the latest security and system packages from the main Ubuntu dev branch, and these packages will be supported by Ubuntu for the next three years. And this is a system that has a UI based on uh, XFCE, so you know it's a little zippy, just like our Zubuntu install was, uh, but it has some modifications. It, it says it blends, uh, you know, uh, Zubuntu with uh, elementary OS with uh, GNOME or something. I can't remember what the third thing was, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically you get the the Plunk, the Plunk uh, uh, dock is in there. Uh, some nice clean-looking UI with the XFCE, and it's, it's pretty zippy. It's uh, something to check out. It's been, uh, it's been hitting the news cycle lately. I'm not quite sure why. It always, always kind of makes me wonder why these things surface to the top. They don't really bring a whole bunch of stuff to the table. Just, it's just another way of putting your own stuff together that you can do in any distro. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, go ahead and give it a try. It's something sorry pre-configured for all you lazy people out there. And uh, you can boot it up and uh, give it a try already pre-configured. So uh, and since it runs Ubuntu, you can probably easily follow our instructions on YouTube uh, that tell you exactly how to get your Ubuntu installation ham radio ready. Yep, and we're going to be taking a little bit closer look at Enso OS over the next couple of days, and then we'll hopefully report on it in the next episode, at least to mention uh, a Linux in the Ham Shack readiness score, and um, you know, tell tell you whether we hate it or not. Um, I suspect we won't because it'll probably just be a lot like Ubuntu. But there you go. <laughs> All right, so moving on from that, we have upcoming open source events and Linux-based events over the next uh, several weeks, actually. There are quite a few of them coming up. And uh, the summertime is apparently really good for these. Uh, so the first one is the IEEE Cloud Conference. This is from July 8th through the 13th, 2019. It's in Milan, Italy. So if you have the opportunity to attend an, the IEEE Conference in Milan, I would highly recommend it. And you could probably just go skip the conference and go, go yeah. to Milan. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Go down, buy some shoes. Exactly. <laughs> Check out the Vatican. 
being the first IEEE conference dedicated to cloud computing, um, this cloud conference has been a prime international forum for both researchers and industry practitioners to exchange the latest fundamental advances in the state of the art and practice of cloud computing, identify emerging research topics and define the future of cloud computing. All topics regarding cloud computing align with the theme of cloud. In 2019, we will gather to strive to advance the largest international professional forum of on or form on, say it with me, cloud computing. Because I, I, yeah, I don't know how many times they mentioned the word cloud in this little blurb, but it was a lot. Um, well, the last time I was in Milan, it was cloudy. I <laughs> so it's it's functional and apropos. So yes, uh, link to more information about the IEEE Cloud Conference will be in the show notes. Did you have something else you wanted to add? Milan is nowhere near uh, Vatican, just so you know. Yeah, I was wondering why he said that. <laughs> yeah, it would be quite a little drive. Milan's in the upper uh, northwest of the country. <laughs> it's a great airport to fly into, though. Uh, it's really close to being able to catch the uh, super train. Yeah, my my, my reference Turin. to the Vatican had nothing to do with its location. So, anyway. <laughs> it's just Italy, It's just right? Italy, right. It's a lot closer than the U.S. Such a small country. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's see. Since Cheryl, you're back, you can tell us about this next conference, which is one that I have attended before. I have attended this before. So the next conference is the USENIX Annual Technical Conference 2019. It's July 10th through the 12th in Renton, Washington. Uh, ATC brings together leading systems researchers for the presentation of cutting-edge systems research and the opportunity to gain insight into a wealth of must-know topics, including virtualization, system and network management, and troubleshooting, cloud and edge computing, security, privacy, trust, mobile and wireless, and much more. The program includes a keynote address by Rimsey Arpassi Dessou uh, from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, refereed paper presentations, two poster sessions, Birds of a Feather Sessions, or known as BOFs, and more. Yep. It's been a while since I've been to a Unix conference, or a Usenix conference. Yeah. Um, but I did used to go to the ATCs back in the day, uh, and they were always really good conferences. They used to be longer, I think, than three days, but um, yeah, I think, I think they there were, were five like four or five. Time. Yeah. But all of the Usenix conferences have shrunk in, in size, uh, or duration, rather, uh, over the last few years. So. There is that. If you want to check that one out, it's in Renton, Washington. And Bill, you can tell us about the last one. Sure, yeah. The O'Reilly Open Source Conference, or Software Conference, sorry. It's uh, July 15th through the 18th. Uh, this year in Portland, Oregon, it's open source at its core of software development, but today you have to go deeper. You need to know how to implement new technologies like Kubernetes and TensorFlow. You need to work in a cloud environment that isn't always open source friendly uh, to know how machine learning can make or break your code, whether you're looking to understand where, where software development is headed or want to dive into the key technologies that will you need to build resilient, useful, innovative software. Uh, the O'Reilly Open Source Software Conference is where you'll find the answers you'll need. Yeah, this is another conference that Russ has attended many times. Yeah, this is well. This is, I'm not sure if this is the same conference. I think this is a co-located conference inside of OSCON. Gotcha. I think they're running concurrently. Yeah. yeah, OSCON and this conference are running concurrently. So, OSCON's a five-day conference. This is like 
in it or part of it or you know how they sort of run conferences concurrently all the time now so um it's all part of o'reilly anyway it's all happening in portland oregon so if you want to check that out do so and portland is a really good place to go and oscon is a really good conference to attend i i highly enjoyed it so there we go oh so now we're moving on to the open source challenge for this week which looks remarkably like the amateur radio challenge for this week <laughs> <laughs> looks pretty darn close it's to pretty me pretty good yeah this so this one is write a decent n1mm clone and let everyone know about it you'll be rich and famous <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i'm thinking we need to write an n1mm clone pretty soon here <laughs> if we do or if someone does when the thousands of people come up to us and ask us what's the best linux contest logger we'll actually have an answer there you go <laughs> yeah. because for the last 11 years we haven't had an answer so yeah i would love to have an answer to that question so somebody please do this anywhere anytime <laughs> Any, right yeah all right so moving on we're going to get into the meat of this the meat and uh, the marrow uh, uh. <laughs> of of our program the weekender and we're going to start off with our hedonism topics with Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Yes, we will. So Bill from the ICQ podcast put me on the spot majorly at Hamvention when they interviewed us. And no, it was actually Martin. Oh, was it Martin? It was Sorry. Martin. And asked me if I had a recipe. So after they posted the video to YouTube, I posted the following recipe in the video comments. So I decided to share it with our listeners as well. I'm a huge fan of lo mein. I think Russ is kind of meh with it. It depends on the lo mein. Some lo mein is awesome. Some lo mein is crap. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> but anyway, this is a quick and easy recipe that takes 30-ish minutes from start to finish. And it's, it is a really quick and easy, you need to make it the best. I, of course, I'm not going to talk about the recipe, but in order to make it the best, you need light and dark soy sauce, which, you know, sometimes that's doable. Sometimes it's not. If not, you can just use whatever you've got laying around in the fridge. So, but it's, uh, need some, you know, noodles or you can use substitute spaghetti and some veggies and some protein and you're off and running. So, well, that's it. That's all you're going to say. Well, do you want me to go through the whole recipe? Well, I, I mean, you don't have to read the recipe, but I mean, what, what, what did you, what kind of lo mein did you specify here? Or are you just talking I, about no, the noodles? It, it's, no, it's this, this is the whole recipe. You know, the soy sauce, the sesame oil, the sugar, um, you know, noodles, protein, whatever you want, whether it's shrimp, chicken, beef, pork, tofu. Or all of those. Or all of the above, yeah. For veggies, you can use um, broccoli, onion, carrots, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, cabbage, bok choy, mushrooms, peas, spinach, just what... Dig through your fridge. You use whatever you, you know, whatever turns you on. So it's it's pretty well it. And you need a little bit of mirin for it in order to make it true lo mein. So. Well, mirin's pretty accessible. So Yeah, it, it should be accessible most anywhere you go. Yeah. So. Even like the Asian section of your local food market. Should, should have, have it. Yeah, not, yeah. not always, but should. If not, there's some... Uh, knockoff recipes available online so bill where do you get mirin and kalispell <laughs> i would assume the grocery store i don't know <laughs> uh all right that, that was kind of a left field question just because i want to make sure he was still paying attention but <laughs> all right so moving on from cheryl's recipe corner we're going to move into my drink corner and tonight we're going to talk about bullet bourbon barrel strength 
bullet bourbon and i have my my particular bottle is batch number five i don't know how many batches there are uh but mine's number five uh bullet bourbon barrel strength is made from the same high rye mash bill as the original expression the barrels selected were combined into a single batch for bottling in louisville kentucky uh this version is uncut and unfiltered straight from the barrel and each batch will vary in ABV, ranging from about 118 through 126 proof. Uh, my batch, batch number five, is on the high side. It's 125.4. The mash bill is 68% corn, 28% rye, and 4% malted barley, which means it's pretty high in the rye category, which makes it a high rye bourbon. Um, I'm not a big fan of high rye bourbons, and I'm pretty sure this is an MGP-sourced uh, mash bill if i'm wrong about that somebody will club me over the head i'm sure but i'm pretty sure it's mgp um it comes out of kentucky in the usa of course uh the color on it is a pretty standard medium amber color i mean there's really not much special about it um the nose on it of course because it's a high rye you immediately get hit with that rye spice note to it that sort of weedy it's not not wheat, but the rye, uh, almost an anisey, spicy kind of note to it. You definitely get sweet oak from the barrel. Um, I did not look up or find how long this is aged. Um, I believe it's not age dated, which means it has to be less than two years or more than four. And I'm guessing it's not less than two, so I'm gathering it's more than four. Um but it is it is sort of spicy and rye uh with oak notes but barrel bitterness it does have the vanilla and toffee notes of a typical bourbon it also has a little bit of a peppery note more a white pepper than a black pepper and you also get a bready note uh, almost like an unbuttered biscuit on the nose uh the taste is a little bit different, but it has some of the similar characteristics. You get a little bit of chocolate and maple uh, mixed in with the oak and vanilla notes. Um, the rye is sort of still prevalent, but it's not nearly as prevalent on the taste as it is on the nose, which makes it a little bit better for me. Uh, you have nutmeg and almond in there as well, and uh, sort of an essence of unbaked bread as well. Not, not quite the biscuity note, more like just a few had a loaf of like risen bread that hadn't been baked yet you get sort of that with it uh the finish on it is uh definitely a high rye finish it lasts a long time you get that spiciness the peppery notes it's long dry notes a little bit of toffee a little bit of brown sugar and yeah and that sort of pepper tingle on the tongue um and if you like that sort of rye dry finish then you're probably going to like bourbon quite a bit 28% is pretty high for a bourbon. So if that's your thing, you'll probably like it more than I like it. Um, the, the bottle prices on this, I've seen anywhere from 45 to $60. I think I paid 46 for mine. Uh, just depends on where you are, what the taxes are and all that kind of stuff. And because it's a rye forward bourbon, it's definitely not among my favorite. I do like the fact that it's very high proof that the price is not that high. And, um, you know, it's okay. It's just nothing that I would uh, go out and buy, like specifically just to keep on hand. Um, but I'm glad I got the uh, opportunity to try it. And if you like something that's a little more rye forward, uh, this will probably be right up your alley. But I'm going to give it 
and 85 out of 100. Uh, because it's not terrible, it's just not really my thing. So that's that. Good soda pop. <laughs> yeah, you can mix it if you want to, Bill. Yeah, or make yeah. a boiler maker with one of those IPAs that, now, that right? you've been making. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us about what you've been uh, pounding down while you've been out on uh, your adventure to Montana, uh, like other parts yeah. of Montana. <laughs> other parts of Montana. Oh, jeez. Someone's goofy now with a word pad here or whatever. I did that. Yeah. No, either pad. <laughs> I was trying to get some stuff around. That's what I get. Okay. Well, anyway, yes, I'm on a camping trip, uh, sort of camping. But uh, up here in the Flathead Valley, where we have lots and lots and lots of good breweries and good brew pubs to go eating at, so I've been, ex- you know, excitedly drinking every beer I can find. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm hitting the IPAs hard. I-, I found a few nice ones here: the Centennial IPA from the uh, Flathead Valley Brewing Company. They're literally a, a, a mile from where I'm sitting right now on the water. They're just over here in Big Fork, Montana. Had dinner there uh, the first night we were here. So, yeah, I'm not camping that hard. You know, we're going out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I had some beers over there, some other uh, more uh, not available things that are just seasonal and stuff like that. But the Centennial, you can actually get in a can around Montana. And that's a really good IPA. Uh, another one I tried was the Cloudcroft IPA from Kalispell Brewing Company. Of course, that's up in Kalispell. I did avoid going into the Kalispell thing. The only thing I went to Kalispell for was Chick-fil-A, strangely enough, just because we yeah, don't have one anywhere else in Montana. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter wanted her Chick-fil-A nuggets because that's like a big thing. Uh, every time she goes to Florida, she has Chick-fil-A. So <laughs> we make a thing of it. We come up here, we go to Kalispell. So we had the Chick-fil-A. Um, and I had these really good beers from the Tamarack Brewing Company, which really has a great, um, a great uh, brew pub, restaurant, and brewery. And it does a, does really good beer. In fact, I'm, you know, where I'm sitting, I've been sending some pictures and stuff like that up in uh, our Discord, and literally right across the uh, lake, which is uh, probably about like four miles as the uh, crow flies there, but you have to drive around. Is their brewery? Um, and restaurant, and I had their uh, open road cold brew coffee stout. Uh, that's one beer I had from them. I actually have four more sitting in the refrigerator in the camper, and I'm going to enjoy those later. But I figured since we just got out of hockey season, right? And you guys had a big win. Yeah, yes, we did. had a big, huge win. Yeah, big, huge <laughs> win in uh, the, the misery state. Uh, I figure I would mention another one that I just. Got down to my like third can. That's why I'm talking like an idiot. Um, <laughs> in short time, here from the Tamarack Brewing Company, it's called the Hat Trick Hop IPA. Of course, it's an IPA, and it's loaded with three types of hops. It's a uh, 7% ABV, 70 IBUs, and uh, this is actually in a 16-ounce can, so this is a nice size can. And uh, they say, why a can? Well, it makes sense. Really, cans are easily recyclable, crunched down, and are lighter for the outdoors because that's what we do. We drink them here right by the lake. And also, did you know cans can float if you accidentally drop one in the lake? But you wouldn't want to do that. So <laughs> keep it in your hand and, uh, and uh, you know, down your throat. Right. Here. So uh, here's some directions. Home usage. Pour ice cold brew slowly into pint glass. Kick back and enjoy. Two, place empty can into recycling bin and pat yourself on the back. 
out, outdoors usage. Crack open can. Enjoy. Preferably after you lace up your skates. I'm assuming that's for uh, skating, high hockey, or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, the great hockey. Love it. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. And then crunch can. Place it in a recycled bag and then or use as an impromptu hockey puck. Nice. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> so there you go. This is like a multi-use can here that this beer comes in. Mine is unfortunately very, very empty. It's a really good, uh, a really good IPA. Um, 70 IBUs, I believe it. It's it's pretty, uh, pretty bitter, but it uh, it's 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 very tasty. It uh, it holds quite well. I actually had one uh, over there uh, at the brewery. Uh, I think we went there it was yesterday, or the day before, for lunch, something like that. Um, and it had like you know. The IBUs were question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite kinds of uh, of IBUs to actually drink. And that one was really good, too. And uh, it had a funny name. I did take a picture of uh, the sign. And I am going to find it real quick here. It's like, uh, 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 come on. Come on with me. Here. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, zoom in. It's called You Cannot Be You. You Cannot Be You IPA. You Cannot <laughs> nice. Be You. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so E U K N A N O T dash uh, A dash B U. <laughs> and it was 8 point something percent. I think 8.7 percent with a, the big fat question mark on the IBU in, the, in their list there. And uh, yeah, it was a big day. They had uh, growler fills for. Uh, I think they were nine dollar growler fills uh, running their special yesterday too. So, um, but very good. Yeah, yeah, having fun here and uh, yeah, <laughs> enjoying enjoying the flathead and all the beer that is to be had here. Uh, so, what was the name of that beer? This one is the Hat Trick Hop IPA. And what what was the IBU on it? This one's seventy. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, very good. At least you're getting a good beer sampling in while you're glamping. Yes. Yes, I am glamping. <laughs> I still have a pop up in my garage if I sort of half glamping, and then uh, like uh, I was joking with my wife. She you know worried about bears and stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, well, we're in a camper. We're not gonna get any bears. It's like uh, you don't want to go camping with me in the backcountry where I only bring a tarp. I don't even bring a tent. <laughs> nice. I just I just keep the rain off of me and the and the dew off of me in the morning. And but I don't I don't use a tent at all when I go backcountry camping where you are going to have bear <laughs> crawling all over your crap. Right. <laughs> it's like why bother ruining a good tent? You know, who wants to sniff you? Let them sniff you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Jonas for for the term glamping. So, well, yeah. yes. <laughs> and while we're talking about folks in the chat room, we should mention everybody who was in there tonight. We had Jonas, we had Don KB2YSI, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, Jim VE5EV, and Fred into NRV. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Weekender. And I think what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and let everybody get on with their weekend, including Bill. Um, who's probably going to pound down a few more IPAs and like sleep under the bears. I mean, stars. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, I just looked up your, uh, your bullet. It says that's comes from a blend of barrels, which are five to eight years old. Okay. 
Yeah, fair enough. I said it was either less than two or more than four, and I suspected more than four. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Very cool. And that's it. This has been a shockingly mediocrely produced uh, version of Linux in the Hamshack, episode number 291. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QR1. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.